Hello, listeners, to the Relics of War podcast. This is the inaugural episode of the podcast about Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2, mostly Guild Wars 2, especially when it comes out, and we just, you know, wax knowledgeable like the bunch of geeks that we are. My name is Ryan Singleton. I'll be your host for this show. And with me here today is uh, Lady Sinea. Hello. Some of you might remember Lady Sinea from the old Guild Wars podcast called Guildcast with Sean. How are you doing, Lady Sinea? I'm doing great. And finally getting some new Guild Wars 2 information. Yeah, yeah. It took a little while for it to get going, but once it rains, I guess the floodgates open. Yeah. And then with me here also is my best buddy, Trevor Covington. How are you doing, dude? Good. How about you, man? I'm doing awesome. The car here is a little hot, I've got to admit. Could yeah, be the hot I imagine costume. so. And a lot of listeners are probably going, car? How does that factor into any of this? Cars are actually very nice sound booths, especially when you have loud children in your house. So, that's where this podcast is coming to you from. And I imagine that's you kind two, of weird. I imagine you two are in much more just normal situations, huh? Yes, I'm sitting in a nice air-conditioned office uh, with my laptop on the desk. I'm in a damp, dark basement like a traditional gamer. (laughs) (laughs) In true nerd form. That's awesome. The scope of this podcast is simply to cover the news about Guild Wars 2 while it's in the um, up-and-coming stages. This is kind of the pregame show for that MMO. Once the game comes out, this is just going to be a podcast you go to for Guild Wars 2. In the meantime, also, though, we're going to try and pay a little bit of homage to the original Guild Wars since, you know, some of us either played it a lot before or are still playing it or whatever. Yeah, we'll be going over tips and tricks for the old Guild Wars, play it out like a true hero. And all three of us did play the original Guild Wars. I'd like to point that out. Of course. Yeah, we're not dumb. We're not just probably too much. Yeah, you you were like the ranger nutcase. Yeah, (laughs) I was a one class guy. (laughs) What did you mainly play, Lady Sinead? A monk as my main, um, but it was actually the uh, third character that I created, which um, I think just hit her fifth birthday. So I've got like three presents now. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and those things are worth a lot of money when your character is that old. Yeah, it's cool. Um, my uh, ranger was the first character that I made, and I made it uh, during the beta. And then I have a warrior that's like a day younger than that. So I always know when the... The fifth anniversary stuff is actually kicking in because I go and check and see if they actually like think my character is now X number of months old. <laughs> nice. Yeah, last night uh, I got to... I had a monk, and he's probably about three or four years old. He's the first character. I Well, he's the oldest character that I still have, and I wanted to get primeval armor on him because I went to other games and played he- healers for a while, and mm-hmm. when I used to play Guild Wars, it was always Elementalist. Well, I've come to really like the monk now. So that's, I've been going monk crazy too. And that was the thing I wanted was primeval armor, but I had no cash at all. And I'm like, I don't really care about mini pets. So I started asking for price checks on my mini pets, like the mini, uh, what's the guy, Mad King Thorn. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, He was worth 70 platinum. And I was just like, really? Mm -hmm. Just like that? Awesome. So I sold some things that most people would die to have, but I didn't care about them. Collecting mini pets was like one of my big things. I know I have all of series one um, I think of all of two, but then after that, my collection became spotty. <laughs> wow. That's... But I have not um, 
I'm not like a what is it? Not identified, but um, personalized oh. them into my hall of monuments. I mean, I have so I just have them sitting in my inventory uh, or in my like extra bag slots, and they take up like three or four slots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife wants to. She wants to have more mini pets than she has already. So when I was selling them, she's like, "Are you really doing that?" I'm like, "Yeah, primeval armor, dude." You're like, "You've got uh, cash, honey? I'll sell them to you." <laughs> yeah. I should have made that offer. Oh, I feel like a jerk. <laughs> to you, discount to five platinum. The rest of the market's going for ninety. <laughs> <laughs> the other ones that I had were it was some black beetle. I don't remember. Oh, arg! It was its name. Mini black oh, yeah. beast of arg. Black beast of arg. I actually got two of those. So I sold them for 50k a piece. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure I sold every mini pet I ever had for like all the bows in the game. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's I, your collection. Cool. <sighs> he had so many bows, it was ridiculous. He always came up to me and he's like, here's my new bow. He'd meet me in the guild hall. I'm like, isn't that the last one? The same thing you had last time, isn't it? I, I got so specific because that, that's one thing I actually really liked about uh, Guild Wars compared to other games is... Like the weapon arc and everything, you very rarely see that in like an MMO where like the weapon can miss like long range, and it's actually based on, you know, positioning. Yeah, I like that. Um, like standing in different positions, and you have a higher likelihood to hit and whatnot. I still yeah, do that like, when I play other MMOs. Like I'll <laughs> have a ranged character and run up a hill and shoot at it, and like not even think that it's not going to uh, do extra damage or be more accurate. Yeah, you you forget other MMOs don't really count in like gravity and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or when you play another I game. I love the artwork on uh, some of those uh, those bows and all those weapons. Some of them just look so cool. They're like these stats suck, but I really want to use this because it's awesome looking. <laughs> I suppose now that we're uh, pretty much well introduced, I would like to give you guys a little bit of contact information first before we get heading off. The contact information for the Relics of War podcast. You can either go to relicsofwar.com and register on the forums there, or you can email us at relicsofwar at gmail.com. There is also a phone number, which I am frantically trying to find, and I will not do this smoothly. I apologize. Where is it? 708, I've almost got it committed to memory, 202-9262. And I will be repeating that again at the end of the show. But until then, I suppose we can get zipping off into Guild Wars 2 talk. So the first uh, segment of this show will be, at least for now, and don't get too cozy with our segment situation because as the Guild Wars 2 situation adapts, so will our show. But for now, our first segment is Sequel Scuttlebutt. This segment will talk about news, the rumors, and pretty much all the information in regard to Guild Wars 2. And today we'd like to talk about some of the combat and combinations that they've got set up, like, you know, how... Uh, elementals can set up a firewall and a ranger can shoot through a bow through it. Or, I'm, yeah, he'll shoot a bow through it. He'll shoot an arrow through it and that'll set on fire so that when it hits mm-hmm. the target it burns. That's pretty cool. I think and, that's an amazing way to um, incorporate the different skills together because you're not going to be able to have the um, the uh, multi-class system anymore where you uh, use your, right? When you're like, you're like half monk and half ranger, you can't do that anymore. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that. I thought From that was what, what they were talking it, it, it doesn't seem like you can. I mean, I know you can like equip like weird stuff, so like a warrior could have a bow, and it'll bring up like a set, set of, I guess, like utilities, but I don't think you can be like Ranger, Mesmer, or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, so the... But they're not eliminating all the synergies and uh, combinations that the players would always come up with to make 
their original powers so much uh, more powerful, I should say. They're just requiring two people to actually do it now to improve mm-hmm. the social aspect of the game. Exactly. So then you need at least two people to make that combination work. I can get behind that. Yeah. I think my biggest worry is um, if it becomes so static, like uh, like the spirits from the first game, you know, as a ranger, you can lay down stuff to make your like arrows go faster, and that's kind of cool. But at the same time, it'd be really interesting if it was more dynamic with like movement. So, I mean, instead of just like setting up like fire arrows, like you literally have to shoot through it. And I, it's a really cool idea. I'm just excited to see how Guild Wars actually implements it, so it takes like a higher level and skill than just laying something down. Yeah, it sounds like they've got like that firewall is just one of many crazy things they've thought up. There's like there's even like throwing the enemy around, isn't there, so that someone else can get at it in the air or something? Yeah, um actually in one of the uh articles on their website they were kind of talking about that on how you can set up combo points in the air and that they're focusing a lot more on movement, which is way different than like the first Guild Wars where you know you had the there was no Z access. So it seems like they're really trying to explore that not just with like movement out of combat but within combat. Yeah. That's one thing that a lot of people said they wanted was not to have like a flat ground anymore. You can you can jump and do things. So they're now incorporating it. Even when you're exploring the original Guild Wars, it gets a little old. You walk up to some little berm, just a small little rise in the ground, and your character starts walking in place. You're like, really? You can't climb yeah. over that? <laughs> yeah, you can You can slay dragons and like conquer armies, but like this hill, it's just way too much. <laughs> On the note of like Z-axis movement, um, from what I was reading, there's quite a bit of, I guess, water terrain in there. Um, I was on one of the wikis. There's tons of out, tons of them out there on Guild Wars 2, but it talked about upwards of half of the terrain you'll be exploring will actually be underwater, which will be really interesting for combat. Oh, yeah. I hope they do things like um, in underwater combat, uh, there are things like um, your arrows uh, fly slower on, like, you have uh, minuses to hit and stuff when you're like swinging a sword because you have to move your whole arm through the water. It'll be interesting. You'd have to adjust your tactics while you're doing underwater combat. And I wonder how that affects spellcasters. Like a fire elementalist, what's he up against? I bet you they would, uh, um, like the speed of their stuff would not be impacted because it's magic uh, bypassing the terrain, but I don't know. What I'm really excited about, and this kind of comes from all my video game experience, is what that can mean for, like, PvP. I mean, it'll be a nice dynamic for uh, PvE, obviously, but it's having a Z-axis to engage in player-versus-player combat on is pretty... That sounds pretty intense, like, with the different strategies you can come up with. It's like a aerial battle in certain ways. Yeah, I think they've, they're going again with having, like, a base of... Um, Skills that are, it's easy to learn how to play, but if you really start delving into it, you can find all these cool combinations that you can use to really be powerful. So I like that. It's like, it's simplistic, easy to like just jump into, but there's whole extra levels that you can get into. Yeah, Trevor refers to it as skill cap, where you can start off really good, but if your skill cap on a class or a profession is high, then... You're doing fine, but then you're doing really great when you know the little intricacies and small adjustments you can make. Yeah, and that's that's really what I'm interested in is uh, a lot of MMOs slip into a sort of 
paper rock scissors combat where it's you use this and I use that that I use this and use that but with a lot of these dynamics coming in like we talked about like the arrows going through fire um, the z-axis aerial combos that sort of thing it's in a weird way it's like they're incorporating uh, a game like Street Fighter into an MMO with you know instead of just hitting like B over up X you got these different combos of moves and there's a huge dynamic environment you're fighting in so there's that combat and combinations you guys can look forward to a lot more than just simply here's what you do in this situation and instead you can start thinking about how do I what's my style how do I deal with these specific and it, it won't be something other people can sneer at and be like that's not the optimal way to do it which is something I well, see in the <laughs> yeah, there's always going to be people I mean there's they have that in Guild Wars too it's like we're running this build with this group if you don't have this set of skills then you don't get to join us <laughs> Yeah, that is oh, true. There's always people like that. Um, and some of them, it's the case of, uh, in order to make that particular group work, everybody does need to have certain things. Um, but people can get very elitist about it. And I suspect there are still going to be people like that in Guild Wars 2, just because that's the nature of people. <laughs> it does seem like they're trying to make it less justified, though, in this game, to be that way. Yeah, I mean, you'll still be able to be plenty effective um, jumping in and having your skill set. Oh, it's just... Yeah. Yeah. That's a, one thing I'm really looking forward to is the fact of, like... I, I really hope they maintain it from Guild Wars to Guild Wars 2. If you saw a ranger, you didn't know, like, what type of ranger it was, and it's way more dynamic. Like, uh, each class has so many different facets of it. It. I really hope they carry that over. Although it would be nice... In some other games, you can actually target somebody and see... At least... Check a couple clues like buffs or something to see what they're running. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Would you like people to be able to tell at least to some degree what kind of a monk you are? Or would you like it to be, you know, you guys are looking for a monk. I'm a monk. Let's go. And then they find out what you're like. So that if you're better than the preconceived notion of what a prop monk would be like in this game, then I don't know. Does that make sense? That question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know in Guild Wars, if you add a monk to your party, you've got a monk. And unless he links you his skill set, then you don't really know what he does as far as healing goes. And that could be good sometimes if you're somebody who's kind of innovative with your skills and how you play. But it could also be really bad. They could look at you and think like, huh, I've never seen that build before. I wonder if it works. Mm -hmm. The alternative is they could go, well, you don't have the standard prop build, so we don't want you. Um. Like, um, I play Lord of the Rings Online, and they show, you can um, click on someone and see what equipment they're wearing, and you can also see um, basically what the equivalent to, um, like, where their attribute points are set. But you can't see, like, which skills they're going to be using. Yeah, see, that's how I played WoW for a long enough time to know that you can inspect them to check their talent points mm-hmm. and their equipment. And that was kind of nice in a lot of ways, because you saw some guy wearing, you know cloth gear when he's supposed to be a tank obviously he needs to go exactly it would be nice to have a little bit of that going on but at the same time it breeds a little bit of a problem where people become so elitist that everything is cookie cutter because it's it's made to be that way yeah and so there have been times that i was like well i want people doing that so i've turned it off so that you can't inspect my characters but then i have like friends who go like oh turn that off so i can see what gear you're wearing so i can make you some new stuff right so then right. I just end up turning it off again. So it's like, I don't know if I like it or not. It's kind of 
I, I got to the point where I kind of didn't care because I got um, good enough at the game that I didn't mind if people saw what I was wearing <laughs> or what points I had put where. That is true. There was I got to wear on, on my Holy Priest and wow, it, people didn't care what I was wearing or anything like that because my name was well known enough on the server that they're just like, that guy will heal what you need him to. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So reputation is a nice thing. I suppose that's one thing we could probably all just shoot for in Guild Wars 2 if they enable it. Um, also, in terms of Guild Wars 2's information that we'd like to review is, uh, or at least we should bring up, is anybody who's excited for E3 at the chance for Guild Wars 2 being, you know, having information there or having any sort of a booth? I don't think they're even having a booth there, are they? E3? No, I doubt yeah. it. They don't, they don't seem to be too cozy with E3. But mm. Gamescom in Germany, they'll have a playable demo for the public. That'll be nice. Yeah. At least to start hearing from people about what it was like other than from ArenaNet. Yeah. Um, that, that's part of the problem with the videos they put out is it seems very static. Like, stay here, hit this button, hit that button, hit this button. Which I don't think that's how the gameplay will be. It's just you really don't know how they're going to move, how fluid it's going to be, anything like that. It's, it's a real teaser in that sense. I went to PAX last year in September. And it was right after they had released the first in-game footage video, (laughs) the first trailer. And it was like, wow, there's actually a whole bunch of stuff that's built in this game. (laughs) It wasn't just like concept art kind of stuff. Um, So we were absolutely excited about that. And uh, I got to interview a couple of people. I've got maybe like half an hour of audio. Yeah, anybody who is thinking, well, I don't want to listen to this show anymore. Hold on, hold on. There's better stuff next episode. (laughs) But I've, it's been just sitting on my computer unedited because uh, I only do a Lord of the Rings podcast. So it was like completely inappropriate for that. So I was just like, oh, I interviewed all these awesome people when I was at PAX. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and speaking of PAX, if anybody doesn't want to go to Germany for a playable demo, there will be one in Seattle also. So look forward. I look forward to hearing because I, I don't understand German. So those people that are talking about what the playable demo is like in Cologne, I'm not going to understand them. Yeah. That's a joke. I know there will be plenty of English-speaking people there. And they'll also have all their demonstrations and everything in English and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I'm wait- I think the reason why the in-game footage right now is so, as Trevor said, static is mostly because they don't want to make too many... Pro- they don't want to release too much to be suddenly blown out of proportion in speculation. Because when I saw the way Meteor Shower worked, it was like, whoa, that is so much different from the old Meteor Shower bottom line is i don't understand how that works like you just casted it there was no cast time nothing the meteor shower just started and i thought that would be overpowered in the guild wars that we play today but because so little is being given you're being you're humbled by how little you know about what's going on and so you kind of keep your mouth shut you know you don't say oh my god that's op they're just giving little tastes right now to keep wetting your interest (laughs) yeah on the note of op i'm already trying to speculate which class will probably be, you know, cried about being OP first right off the bat. And my bet is assassins. If they come back, I can if, see If they come. Yeah. Right now, the only, I guess we should clarify, the only two professions that have been clearly marked as coming back are warrior and elementalist. I believe necromancer was pretty strongly hinted at also, though. My, my guess is most of them that were mm-hmm. in the previous will end up coming back. Um, Especially where we haven't seen really any variation yet. 
which might be a move on their part to kind of keep like an ace up the sleeve and have some crazy new class last or the last five that come out are all new or you would think though that they can't deviate too terribly much from what they've already done because how does the lore remain cohesive that way but i mean i find i would also find it hard to believe that they don't change it up a little bit like at least like adjust the paragon profession for instance so there's some new profession that's largely based on paragons and lore wise justify it as well paragons developed over the last 250 years or something like that yeah i could see that actually um especially where they really seem to emphasize in a lot of the lore that's come out that a lot of things have changed within politics and how the world's developed and oh yes there's a lot of storyline changes um or or like the storyline is uh different because of all the changes that have occurred over the past couple hundred years and uh I asked the developers extensively about that. <laughs> well, what's kind of interesting, and I didn't pay attention to this before, but I'm currently on the GuildWars2.com website, and if you go to the profession section, um, it has the Elementalist and the Warrior there, and then there's like very vague outlines of the other ones. And you know, as long as they don't completely change it, it almost gives you some hints. Like, for example, to the left of uh, Elementalist, there's this guy crouching down. If I had to bet money, I would say he's an assassin or something like it. They seem to show rangers crouching a lot, though. That That's true. That could be it also. But yeah, that that's kind of fun to do. Because I noticed that before, too. I didn't spend a lot of time trying to figure out what each one was. But I spent enough time to know that, you know, enough time to know that while the Elementalist was the only one there, I could see which silhouette was going to be the warrior, and it became that. So I suppose I should spend a little more time and speculate. And then I can put it on the podcast, and ArenaNet will send us an email saying, Knock it off! <laughs> I only see the Elementalist and the Warrior on here. The other ones are... It's... Like, if you look to the left, that darker portion, it's not It's not like a true outline. It's like a rough sketching of an outline. Um, for example... Oh, I, I oh you've seen in the, uh, the main picture. Yeah, I see. Yeah, exactly. And we won't know until they actually uh, come out of the shadows. <laughs> Well stated. I'm sorry, I was trying to look that up so that I could help speculate my internet connection in my car is not being terribly helpful. So it looks to me like we've... Okay, on the far, far left, that's a that's a char of some kind. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Horns. Huh. Yeah, I don't know if there's really enough for me to go off of here. That crouching one, I could easily see that being the assassin, though. Or an Asurin. <laughs> no, no, that's a crouching... There's also a shape to the right. Yeah, a that small... could be... Thing. That's any kind of blob. <laughs> <laughs> this is a triangle. New class <laughs> triangle. You can approach it's rather, this. It's rather pointy, and sometimes it forms at a right angle. And uh, the the great thing about it is that if the enemies come up and they run into one of the corners, it pokes them. Yeah, because I specked into isosceles. I'm going to bleep that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> But now we have this segment called The Hype Machine. In The Hype Machine, we're going to talk about all these videos and the media that we've been getting from ArenaNet in regard to Guild Wars 2. So, I've been poring over the actual media of all this, and I don't really I don't really know where to start off with it all. I mean, the videos go... One thing... Okay... In my articles that I put on the blog so far, I've been um, making a lot of snide little jokes about the quips that these guys have. Like, after every skill, and stay down. Right on. 
Yeah, that you know that actually get really agitating after a while. Like I can imagine grinding out some levels, and like you you go to bed at night, you lay down, and you just imagine and stay down. <laughs> Have yeah, you heard that every single time you use the same skill? Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of your sleep, you just suddenly you wake up to yourself going, "I'm shocking." Did I just say that? <clears throat> I'm manly. But I, I imagine they're going to have some sort of a... Um, either that was all for show, and that's really not going to be part of it at all, or they're going to have some way to toggle it so that your character doesn't do that. Let's hope. Yeah, if not, there'd be like a high degree of psychosis in Guild Wars <laughs> 2 players. But aside from that, I mean, the videos were really great. I like how it showed how actually fluid everything really feels to be i've heard some people criticize the original guild wars as being clunky the way people moved and stuff i don't necessarily agree to that in comparison to any other mmo you can play but the characters move very fluid in guild wars 2 just as like i was talking about before that meteor shower video the way that elementalist raised her hand in the air and all that it just it feels almost like you're watching a movie that you're kind of controlling a cgi type movie instead of watching an mmo being played you know I think as time goes by, each incarnation of a game, it just they keep getting better and more, um, more fluid looking, more natural looking. Not necessarily more realistic, because um, realism in artwork and stuff is not necessarily what I'm looking for. But um, natural human movement and stuff, I think is just it's getting more prevalent. Well, even in comparison to other MMOs right now, I would say the original Guild Wars does come closer to realism than. And that's nice to see. I mean, it's not realistic. You can see it and definitely tell this is a game. You know, it's CGI. But, you know, and I'm not just talking about WoW. It's pretty much most of the MMOs I have ever tried. It was like, obviously cartoony, obviously just a game. Yeah, Guild Wars's artwork is just so gorgeous. I mean, you go somewhere and it's like, this place is beautiful. Mm-hmm. My biggest go, thing okay. is it has like a serious feel to it. It's, I mean... Like Grant said, it's not cartoony. It, while it's not necessarily the most realistic, like you want to take it seriously. Yeah, you don't feel like, well, this is how they meant for it to look. This is the style. Instead, you just look at it and say, realistic enough and beautiful. Yeah. And that's enough. Like you go to the Jade Sea, and it's not like anything you've ever seen before. And it's like, but it's gorgeous, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trevor used to always talk about the Jade Sea because I went the Kurzak line the first time in Factions. She's like, you should come see the Jade Sea, and I'm looking around this Kurzak area going, why do I care? I love it here. <laughs> I thought the Kurzak area was beautiful. Yeah, the the artwork's definitely top-notch. I'm really excited to see how they're going to develop a lot of the bigger areas, especially underwater. Like, the water looks pretty good from what you can kind of tell in the videos, if I recall correctly. But underwater's going to be interesting if they're going to have distortion or if it's just going to be blue-hued or... I imagine it'll be a very, very subtle distortion. That way you don't really, doesn't give you a headache, but it's enough to still make you say, I am definitely underwater and I feel like it. There'll probably be interesting light shadows and stuff too. too. Yeah. Increase that effect. Oh, I'm, I'm really stoked about that. That's something, I heard Cataclysm was coming out with that in WoW, and everybody was in a big hype about it, but it didn't strike me as hard because I had already heard about it coming out in Guild Wars 2. <laughs> so it was something that I had already gone over in my head and everyone was hyping about that. I'm like, yeah, I'm excited too, but I won't be in WoW when I'm doing it. <laughs> I will try not to draw too many comparisons between those two games because that's an inflammatory subject. And I imagine it'll get even worse once the game comes out. Hey, hold up, she rises. Hey, hold up, she rises. Hey, hold up.
The next subject is Speculation Proclamation. This is where we speculate on certain aspects of the game, Guild Wars 2, before it comes out. These are things that haven't really been hinted at, alluded at, so what we're about to talk about, don't take it as the gospel or any hint of what's going to actually come out. Um, we've, I recognize we've already done a lot of speculation, so uh, apologies for that, although I don't think anybody cared. One thing I would like to speculate on right now is uh, aesthetic character creation options, especially after Ion, Ion, Ion came out. That game... Mm-hmm. If anything was great about it, I think most people would agree it's the character creation capacity it had. And since it's an NC soft game, is that going to bleed into Guild Wars 2? I'm sure it'll have some impact, but I uh, a couple years ago I did a um, I tried out a demo of Ion, and we had an hour to play it at PAX, and I spent probably a good like 20 minutes playing with the character creation. <laughs> yeah. I was like, crap, now I have to play the game. <laughs> Yeah, I remember Trevor brought his demo. He was on, or he was in the beta for Ion, and so he brought it over and let me create a character, and I was amazed. I can't believe how much they incorporated, like just the way you could even change your own face. How many people even look at faces in MMOs after the character's made? I, I really think we'll see a lot of that influencing Guild Wars uh, too. Aside from the NC Soft game, it seems like MMOs are slowly moving more and more focused on that character creation as far as giving you lots more options. I mean, every single MMO that comes out, like big production, seems to have a little bit more than the last in that regards. Character customization is a big deal because people get very attached to their characters. And so you want it to be uh, personalized to you. You don't want your character to look exactly like somebody else's. Yeah, exactly. And original Guild Wars was pretty good about that anyway. I have a number of characters that I still haven't seen a a clone of yet. But Mm -hmm. yeah, this is so much later. This is another five years later. I imagine it'll be like way above and beyond what even Guild Wars had to offer. I'm very excited to see this. Um, Another thing I'd like to speculate on is how the skill, or I'm sorry, the level cap works. I put skill cap in our show notes. I'm an idiot. Uh, What do you think the level cap will be like? I think I read somewhere... That there was possibility for a soft cap or something? Meaning what? You know, yeah, a soft cap would be like, let's say the technical max maximum level is 40. You can still accumulate experience like you do in Guild Wars, but every yeah. time you level up, it actually shows numerically. So you become level 42, where nothing is really different about your character at all since level 40, except that you know, you've got that numeric value to say, this is how old my character is, this is how long I've been going. Yeah. Or it could be that the more levels you gain, like when you hit level two, there's a huge difference between two and one. Then from three to two is a little less and a little less, and it always just goes down and down and down until the diminishment, if that's a word, if the diminishment of the accumulated stats becomes so minute that it doesn't really count as a level up. I don't know. That's just I, one thing I've heard. I can see them definitely doing like something like a soft cap or just a really low level cap. It seems like... Um, Guild Wars focused more on, you know, you'd hit that cap in four or five hours, and then from there, it was more focusing on actually enjoying the game, whereas more other MMOs are like, grind, 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 here's some end game. Um, I, regardless of whether if it's soft or a hard cap, I don't think it'll be nearly as long to get to it as probably any other big MMO on the market. I agree. I think a soft cap would make a lot more sense. Um, as opposed to something where you continue to get better and better over long periods of time. Because the whole point was, uh, with the original Guild Wars, was you don't have to spend your whole life day in, day out, playing and grinding in order to be effective and competitive. Um, 
there's a lot more focus on after you you get your you know tiny little level cap. Um, after that, it's how well you utilize your skills. Yeah, I think one thing Guild Wars taught almost all the other MMOs even was that leveling isn't the fun part of the game. If it if it serves any purpose at all, it's to buffer people from making just willy nilly willy nilly characters all over the place. Instead, people have to think a little bit before they go to make their character. They have to invest time. They get attached to that character, and then after a week's of worth of play, they're ready to be playing the game. They're not. They don't want to be picking up Eye of you know Wolf or something stupid like that. That leads me into a, another thing I've been thinking about. One reason I really liked Guild Wars was because of the gear. I mean, there was gear that you got simply because how it looked, but they were all fairly similar. I mean, there was like a tier and all the gear was equal. And I honestly really like to see that carry over because it, you know, it's less of a I'm doing this because I'm I want the gear and it's more of a I'm doing this because it's actually fun. And I'm really actually hoping that carries over into uh, Guild Wars 2. Yeah, like when I got back into my monk, I was in Elite Kurzuk 15k armor, and I just decided I don't like this anymore. So it, nothing, I didn't think about, you know, what am I going to lose if I switch over to Primeval Armor, other than what crafting materials I'm going to lose. But I didn't think about, eh, am I going to be any less effective at what I go to do if I switch over? Where in other games, you change your armor set, it changes everything about what you're going to be doing. I don't know about Lord of the Rings Online, actually, but I never played that one. Yeah, they have different sets of armor. It's a much more traditional MMO where, like, you have certain sets of armor, and you go and raid for them, and then you go into the next raid, and you get the new set of armor, and it's uh, kind of repetitive. Um, but, you know, in Guild Wars, you could, you could have, like, two sets of armor because you have, like, two different skill sets and just swap them back and forth, and you're not losing anything. It's just this is a new game gameplay style, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's so much more fun because that doesn't mean you have to trash your old armor. Yeah, so I definitely agree with Trevor there. I, I love the idea that there's multiple armor sets, but they all do the same thing. You sack nothing to have the armor you like. Okay. I believe that covers all of our Guild Wars 2 segments. Um, until Guild Wars 2 comes out, we'll be talking a little bit about Guild Wars, the original, also, just for a little bit of fun. You guys are probably going to have to be recalling a lot from memory, because when I went back to Guild Wars to play it recently, at first, my god, I was so lost. I'm like, oh, I don't remember what a rune is, an insignia, what? <laughs> yeah, so I that played was... played somewhat recently. I was going on pretty regularly playing the, um, what is it, the Zacian mission every day looking at it to see if it was uh, something I haven't done in hard mode yet and then playing that. Okay. So I was doing that pretty regularly for a while. So I don't know what that is. I've been at it for like a few days now and I have no idea what that is. <laughs> um, if you go into the uh, Great Temple of Balthazar, um, there are these missions that appear every single day. Um, there's a new one and um, uh, there's a PvP mission. There's a go kill something, hunt like a certain creature, and then there's a uh, regular mission. And each one of them, they, you get points for it, and you can trade it in for gear and stuff. But uh, one of the things is it's um, it's great because whenever there's a mission, everybody flocks to that area. So all of a sudden, where there was nobody around, all of a sudden you have people to play with. It's kind of artificially shrunk the world. 
And huh. I think that's great because normally when I go online, I can't find anybody to play with. But if you go and say, I'm going to do the, whatever today's mission is, there's lots of people to go play with. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think it's one of the best things that they did for revitalizing people playing together. I will definitely be going to check that out. But, um, okay, so the Guild Wars segments I have set up real quick. There's Togo's Soapbox, and this segment is all about uh, newbie stuff, tips for the newbies, people who don't know what the heck they're doing. And the reason I call it Togo's Soapbox is because Togo doesn't know how to STFU when you're in-game trying to do a mission. He just keeps on jabbering. Well, we need to hurry. Well, okay, if we're going to hurry, you should open that door so we can get going. Just, you know, there's a little rant for you. I have no frustration toward the old, old sucker. Okay, uh, today's Togo Soapbox is, what is the difference between creating a Nightfall Factions or Prophecy's character, and what's the outlook? Well, okay, uh, let me tell you, one of the problems with creating a Factions character is you have to go through the game um, helping uh, Togo through the whole game, protecting <laughs> him. Uh, if you if he dies in the middle of a mission, you fail it, and you have to go back. Um, and then finally at the end, he goes and gets himself off anyway. Yep. Otherwise, the people typically... I think the common consensus is factions is the fastest to level in. Mm-hmm. It was for me. But what you don't get is uh, in Nightfall, you get heroes as you level. So heroes is a really huge advantage to any leveling. And it's a huge advantage to anything. So if I was to recommend leveling a character simply for practicality's sake, Nightfall. Because you don't have Togo, you know, his happy <laughs> butt to carry around. And you've got your heroes instead. So you can make an MM, you know, pretty early on in the game. Um, prophecies, I, I don't know. I didn't come around when Prophecies was... I started Guild Wars when Factions came out. So I wasn't... Um, how would I put it? I wasn't uh, sentimentally attached to Prophecies. And when I went back to it, it just seemed so cumbersome to level. I mean, just the ascension process and then getting those two quests done for your attribute points, I gave up. I even recently tried to level a Prophecies character and gave up, even though I had heroes. So, um, yeah. But if a lot of people really only like the way Prophecies characters look. They don't want a faction's character's face or something like that. In which case, eh, go for it. You only have to level once. Then you've got the whole game. Uh, another thing to consider, I mean, you probably won't do this on your first character, but if you're making a specific class for whatever you're doing... Um, you also want to keep in mind what elite skills might be located where in each um, expansion because if you want a specific one because you're making them for PvP, for example, or whatever you're making it for, you don't want to level up through one expansion then go have to play all the way through another just to get one skill. True. Yes. Or you can create one character and then go cap all the skills. <laughs> Everywhere. Yep. That's true also. <laughs> That's what my Ellie's done. He has... I Everything. Uh, I did that on my monk. I have like all my title stuff is like all on my monk. Um, but if you if you're an experienced player and you want a a prophecies character, but you don't want to go through the game, which I don't understand that because yeah, prophecies is the only best version. But um, <laughs> you can get yourself um basically run to another land into Elona or Kantha. And then you could play through the game in that, because um, you basically start low. You'd have to just get through uh, pre-searing, and then you'd be like, what, like level five? Mm -hmm. Ship on over to the other continent, and you can play straight up through like that, and then you'd be level 20 a lot faster than you would playing through the normal prophecy storyline. Yeah, my only issue with that was that I ended up without my uh, 30 attribute points from those two quests. That's a good point. Yeah, you have to get to that point in the prophecy storyline in order to have access to those. 
Now, that's a good point, is if you make a factions character, you can just shoot straight to Commodon really early on and never look back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if, if you want a ritualist or an assassin, but you want your heroes, there's no problem there. Don't worry about it. Okay. So, Togo Soapbox is over with. Let's talk to the pros now. This segment's called Pro Tips. And uh, today we're going to be talking about, in the pro tips, we're going to talk about keybinds. Do you guys use keybinds? Yeah, I keybind everything in all games I play. I The only type of thing I will ever really click, ever, is stuff I will use occasionally, like mini pets and such. Everything else is bound. I use shift, everything on the left side of the keyboard, control and shift, everything on my mouse. I rarely click. Well, in Guild Wars, you actually have to use a program called Auto Hotkey if you want to do um, shift combinations. I, I didn't know that um, specifically with uh, Guild Wars, but like I, like I was saying, all other sorts of MMOs, yeah. though, it's it's kind of, kind of common practice because I guess the main reason it's awesome is it's quicker than clicking for one, and your mouse can be doing other things while you use skills. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I use all the normal things, like the number keys and the the WASD and stuff like that. But I actually um, became so familiar with the um, the standard keybinds for Guild Wars that when I go play another MMO, I remap their keys to match what I'm used to in Guild Wars. <laughs> yeah, I got very used to using like Trevor um, modifiers for your hotkeys, so Shift, Alt, and all that. Guild Wars doesn't allow you to do that. I hope Guild Wars 2 does. But um, I still got... I've found a pretty easy way through it where I just use, like, Q for my first skill. Because I can't... I don't know if my hands are small for a guy or what. I mean, I'm six foot tall, so that shouldn't be the case. But I really do have a hard time reaching the number row. So I can do one through four. Past four is a little problematic for me. So I have Q, F, X... What else did I have? I had some other key that were right there near the left hand, near the WASD keys. And I used those for the first four. And then one, two, three, four for the last. So, but yeah, I use uh, keybinds, and like Trevor said, it's because it frees up your right hand so it can do whatever it needs to with the mouse. But the other thing it does is it allows you to be actually moving, and just randomly on the fly decide to use your keybind. I don't need it so much for DPS in Guild Wars though. I've come to find because every time I go back to my Ellie, I'm like, I don't really need to be using these keybinds. You know, just stand here and spam searing flames. But when I'm healing. It's a must. I cannot heal without it. Yeah, I find it easiest to um, use the mouse to be clicking directly on people's names as opposed to figuring out, oh, are they player two, three, or whatever. I just click on their names and then hit my skills. So that's the way I do it. So that wraps up the keybind situation. We've all decided keybinds are for the pros. If you're not using them, you're a noob. That was inflammatory. And on that inflammatory note, I suppose we should start wrapping up the show, huh? Uh, one more time, our contact information, you can go to relicsofore.com, O-R-R, by the way, that's it's the city in the lore of Guild Wars, so relicsofore.com. You can register on our forums and just start yapping it up with us there. You can email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or you can call us at 708-202-9262. I imagine we'll probably end up with a Facebook page and a Twitter page and all that sometime soon. Cool. Yeah. So if you're not on Facebook and Twitter, you're nobody. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, at least have a page you can like. When I tried to make 
a Facebook page in the past for podcasts I did, I really screwed up because first I made a member with that name. Then I made a page with that name and people were like, what? How do I become a fan of this? Do I become a friend or like or what? I'm a complete Facebook noob. Delete the first one and then, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And deleting something on Facebook. That's that's a load of fun. (laughs) 14 days you can't log in. Well, what about cookies? Trust me. I know they are a problem. Hmm. So did you create a Twitter yet? I'm on Twitter, but I have like not used it in forever, which makes me feel all disconnected from all my podcasting friends. But uh, I'm at twitter.com slash Astara, which is A-S-T-A-R-A. Yeah, and I'm, I do have one for me personally right now, which is twitter.com slash Cyan Studios, C-Y-A-N, like the color blue, and Studios. Cool. And I know Trevor's like, yeah, I don't, I don't tweet. <laughs> I don't tweet or anything like that. No, I, I I try and stay out of contact with most people on things like that because <laughs> oh. I don't I don't care if your laundry's done or whatever. Yeah, yeah. People. Well, I've noticed Facebook statuses tend to be a lot worse than what people tweet about. I've actually found the reason I started on Twitter, and I was one of those people who was just anti-tweeting as bad as it got. But with the last podcast I did, I found just how useful it is. And also the fact that it's not as annoying. When I get on Facebook, my God, I've got some relatives that will post about the silliest stuff. You know, like, Sam just puked all over the bed. Well, that could have been kept private. Don't think anybody cares. Yeah, I mean, on Twitter, I um, basically I've, I'm connected to a bunch of different people who play different games that I'm interested in and um, game companies and stuff like that. So all of the stuff that comes through on my feed is all things that I'm interested in. Or I get, like, top news very quickly. So, you know, if I log into it. <laughs> right. So now the Relics of War podcast is now advocating Twitter. I can't believe I've made a podcast that's doing that. <laughs> but, it, yeah, it really is nice. Um, But, yeah, we will also have the Facebook page. I plan on being able to post some videos and images. And, you know, we we intend for the RelicsofWar.com website to actually be a very good content reference you can go there for editorials on stuff that's coming out about guild wars 2 or just random personal stuff in regard to guild wars or even personal stuff if you guys find us as people interesting which something would be wrong with you if so (laughs) and with that yawn i believe we have all been clued in to this being the end of the show however (laughs) to keep things interesting about ending the show that's one thing i've learned about podcasting is ending a show can be very awkward there's going to be a Wheel of Morality. If anybody watched Animaniacs, it's just like that, where we go, Wheel of Morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn. And then somebody is randomly just going to come up with a really good moral that's really stupid and makes no sense. So I'm going to task Trevor with this. Okay, the moral of the day is, wise man does not mix his dog with his goat. <laughs> that was completely on the fly, huh? Yeah, pretty was- much. That's yeah. I'm I'm kind of afraid now. Um, I think I'm gonna be busy every day that you're gonna be recording in the future.
Stop the breeding of contempt in you for 